body. Everybody say body. 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 My Aunt Mert. My Aunt Mert. Remember, you heard me talk about my Aunt Mert? My Aunt Mert? Mert. Myrtle the turtle. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got it. Yeah, Aunt Mert. I, I do have to open up with this because she was, um, her parents came over from England and my family line started in the John Wesley Church in England. I even have the registries. It's really cool. But anyway, her parents came over and had two children, my Aunt Mert and then my grandfather, Art. And then they had one child, which was my mother. So that's it. Us four kids are the only ones left you know, on the, on the United States side. But she passed away and never had any kids. And so she had a chest. She called it her hopeless chest. But anyway, she would play a game with us. You ever played cooties? You ever had played cooties? And the first number you have to roll is a one because one gets you the what? God, you guys haven't played cooties. Ah, oh, I am getting the game of cooties for that room so the kids can play that. You have to roll a die and you have to roll. You can't, you keep going around the circle because you have to roll a one to get the body. Okay. Then you can get the body. Then you can roll the other numbers and get your eyes, your ears. You get all your parts. Okay. But you can go around the circle and not be rolling a one and not getting your body. Well, my aunt Mert, she would play and she would say, I have no body. She'd roll the die and her, her heavy little arms would just wiggle. <laughs> her little arms would wiggle. I used to watch her arms jiggle. And she would say, I have no body and nobody has me <laughs> because she was never married. So she never got married. And um, no, but she, she helped teach us to swim. But then that's when my parents kind of had their problems. They departed us from the rest of our family. But when I went into college, I looked her up and I went to visit her and she was almost 90 years old. And um, I spent a lot of time with her before she died. And the nice thing is I got to rekindle. I got all my childhood pictures because of pictures she took, not from my family. But the cool thing was, is the other night I was looking up some things because the Lord put it in my heart to make my mom a photo album because I have all her growing up pictures because of my Aunt Mert. Well, guess what I found out on the thing? There was a little baptism book and on the back had all the family names. And guess what Aunt Mert's real name was? Her real name was Hannah. Hannah was barren. Hannah had no, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? I think it's funny that she was actually, Hannah had children, but remember how barren Heron was? You know what I mean? But she wanted children. Well, that really was, that really was um, my Aunt Mert. She loved children. But I almost, wow, it overtook my breath. I was like, the whole time we used to call her Myrtle the Turtle, Aunt Mert, you know, and the whole time her name is Hannah. Isn't that powerful? I mean, powerful to me more than it is to anybody else, but I, I, it is really cool. But when I think about working together as the body of Christ and that we're supposed to work together and we have to know what part we are, it makes me think of playing cooties. And it makes me think of, I have no body and nobody has me. When she would say that, you know, we can't move unless we're in the what? The body, even the game. You have to roll a one, the one. We have to become one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to even get our body, to know whose we are and who we are to do and what we're to do. So I love this. We've spent a lot of time talking about baptism, and we talked about the importance of the first baptism, the water baptism, and the spirit baptism. But now we're going into the next section, section four, which is titled growth inhibitors. Growth inhibitors. So that means as we're, we are in the body of Christ, we have to what? We have to grow but there's going to be some what? 
inhibitors. There's going to be some inhabitants that invade our soul to get us not to move with the what? The body. I love you, Aunt Mert. Not to get us to move with the body, you know? And it is amazing how we will let these things eat us up. We will let them like locusts taking over our soul to condemn us and to eat us up. Now, I just want to set something straight before we go into today, because the one thing you have to know is everybody in here is born again. Everybody who's in here right now, you are all born again, which is awesome. Okay. Everybody been here. God has been delivering each and every one of us. He has been delivering away levels of these inhibitors, unforgiveness, shame, and rejection, and all the, all the things that spur from it. He has been knocking them down one at a time. And every year, I taught this this morning in real estate worship, every year he's going to knock another one down. You know, he might knock two down at one time. It depends on how the ball is rolling down for the strike, what he's going to be taking down, okay? But I think it's awesome because we can never move as a body if somebody in our body, do you know what I'm saying, is, is yielding to the inhibitor yielding to that. Okay. We all yield to it. <laughs> I say that with such love because I know every time I start yielding to it, I feel it. I know it. And if something is starting, that means he's going to work something out of me. And the moment I know it is when I feel the first sense of frustration on something. The moment I feel a frustration, I feel a torment. I feel a fear I f- because we can say we're delivered from fear, but we are only delivered from fear at measure at measure different fears at different measures. God knows us all so uniquely that he knows what really makes me fear. He knows what really, he knows the things I don't like and how I don't like it. And so he works with Lee, how he works with me, just as he works individually with Mamie and and, um, Kenrick and Charlena and you guys in the back. He already knows how we each are going to receive and what we're going to need. I love this because I was talking to somebody about this. God knows if you need to do something alone, God knows if you need to do something with somebody else. God already knows what you need and how you need it so he can get the best from us because the most important thing is we are to love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. And if we love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength, and then we learn to love others because we don't have the block going, then we have opened ourselves up that every year he will add a piece to our puzzle. He will add another measure to our plan that he pretested for us. So we talked about this this morning. We talked about what side are you willing to go on? Because it says at the end times, there would be a great falling away. And you know what? That makes me, when I think about it, the more I become to fear the Lord, the more when I think about the great falling away, it makes me tremble inside, thinking that the enemy is going to work hard to keep people on his side. But there is a... A dispensation of time. Do you know when you can't choose one way or another? There's going to be a time where the great falling away will happen. There will be people who already know God, but they will they will fall away and not choose Him. And the and the coming back, there's there's going to be a point where there will be no return to come back. And so we are in an end time where God is building His fivefold ministry, His His team to sanctify the soul. Everybody who's in here is called to be a part of the what? Team to help this transition happen, to help the just transition and happen in the earth. So the last time I taught about this, I brought these glasses out because I want you to remember, if this is your spirit 
And then these are the growth inhibitors of unforgiveness, bitterness, pride, complaining, jealousy, envy, and anger. When the enemy sees the flame of your love for God and the flame of Christ growing in you, because he said he's going to come. The father and the son want to come and make a what? A home in you. Now think about this. Who is to help you? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to teach you, to help you, to help you praise, to break through the inhibitors when Jesus comes and then he sanctifies you. He comes down and he sanctifies the house. Now, the interesting thing is when I get the visual of our inner court is our soul. It is the altar in the holy place that God wants us to work out these inhibitors. And he says in our soul renewing, we have spots and we have what? Wrinkles. And as the bride of Christ, he wants to what? Remove the spots and he wants to iron out the wrinkles. And he says, if we'll stay, the word says that the only true religion is, it's in James. I hope everybody's been reading James. There's a reason why Gene put it on for us to what? Study James so we can learn the righteous works, not stay in the unrighteous works of God. All right. James says the only true religion is to take care of the fatherless, the widows, and the orphans, and to stay unspotted from the world. Okay. Well, that's a hard thing to stay unspotted from the world because we still have to interact in the world. All right. So when we do that, he has to start removing the spots which have to do with unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. He has to start. If you are committed to God and you are walking out your salvation, then guess what his job is to do? Is start spraying that spot removal and start working on their spot removals. Then he can start ironing out the wrinkles, the works. Wrinkles are works. I am telling you, there's nothing that's... You look up works, and guess what works produce if it's the wrong works? Sickness. Dr. Siddiqui said wrinkles are sickness. Well, wrinkles are really works that, that manifest sickness. And so, and it's really clear because when I looked up the word wrinkle, the word wrinkle means, it means a fig. All right. When you look up Chalin, it's a group, not the Assyrian, it's the Chalidians. I think it's interesting. Yeah, Chaldeans. That word means wrinkle. Okay, well, it's interesting. They were called in Habakkuk, which we were learning last night. They were called to actually do their own works against the Israelites to to put them into the truth of what God had for them. He made people works of the world work you. (laughs) Okay, so now think about this. God only does this so he can reveal our spots and iron out our wrinkles. If one spot gets removed, then one wrinkle, one work, one work that we do out of righteousness gets what? Ironed out. I want you to visually see this. What, and when we surrender our inner court, our soul, to the altar of God, and we let him start working out one thing, when he takes that one, I'm telling you, it's like a burnt offering. When you actually say, get rid of this rejection, and you know specifically what it is, man, he can come down. Now you have just come into agreement for him to burn out that inhibitor in your soul. And then, oh my gosh, the works get ironed out. And now your works are of faith and not of what you see. Your works are not 
of the law, now they're going to be of faith. It says, how do we know we're just? The just live by faith. Oh my gosh. When you start thinking about this, isn't this powerful to make it so simple? Now let's work backwards. How do you live by faith? All right. I got to iron out my wrinkles. How am I going to iron out my wrinkles? I got to get rid of some spots. Okay. Because it's a chain reaction. I love it. Bands stretch while you're doing this. I kept seeing rubber band stretching a couple weeks ago. And it's like the band is being stretched, 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 stretched. Okay. How many people are ready to be released? (laughs) Come on. We have to be released. Something has to say, let it go. And then I like it. Come on in school. Who took the rubber band? Uh, Come on. If you didn't play cooties, then you definitely had to try to shoot a rubber band at somebody, right? And guys did it to girls when they liked them. And girls did it to guys because they didn't like them. (laughs) So anyway, you shoot the little rubber band and it has to go. And you know what? If you don't, hey, if you're not pushing, if you're not pushing the band far, it doesn't go far. See, I love watching everybody be so stretched right now. Everybody is stretched. Everybody's being challenged. There are things speaking through other people that shouldn't necessarily be speaking through other people and it's working other people. But guess what? It's working something out of you. We ministered with somebody today, this morning after real estate worship, and this person just kept crying and they kept saying everything they were upset about another person, everything they didn't like about another person in their ministry. And I was just like, ooh, because they were really talking about themselves. Like it was so awesome. I I was calm. And then I was like, okay, well, if it bothers you, if there's an offense in you, then now start working it out of you and it will work out of your ministry. Do you know what I mean? Every time Gene and Zinni or a leader in here comes to another level, we're all called to what? Go up to that next same level. So we're moving, hold on to your (laughs) seatbelts because everybody has to come up with it. But the great falling his way is when the enemy comes and you're not willing to just let the spot go. Let the spot go. It's figuring out. That's why the death period is to figure out, identify the spot. The burial is to release it. You got to release it, but you got to know what you're releasing. I think sometimes most of our confusion is when we don't know what we're releasing. And so we kind of think we knew what it is. And this is what we're going to start off with growth inhibitors. It's a, um, I thought I brought this. Hold on. It's something I found that I was cleaning up my room on Sunday or Monday. I can't remember which day I was doing that. But I save a lot of things over the years. And this is a very old notes of jeans. And I probably laugh because Carrie probably had to put them on the overhead. And that type of works was working, Carrie. (laughs) Carrie, I love you if you're watching this. It is so awesome because, actually, Carrie's ministering next door. It's so awesome because I watched how every time works got added onto Carrie's plate. And Carrie would work the works, but he wasn't working them by faith. Sometimes we'll get assignments. But it's not about who gave us assignment. It's how we handle the assignment. Okay? If the assignment takes us over, then we're not giving it to God and letting faith work it. We're already judging how we're failing. We're already judging what we're doing wrong. So the word tells us to cast our cares. How do you know that there's a spot? The light is shining on a spot. Cares start happening. All right. What is a care? A care is a suffering mind. That means there's something in your mind you keep suffering over. So when you're in a calm moment, what keeps coming to my mind? What keeps coming to my mind? Some people 
it's they're so worried about what they're getting in their harvest that they can't even relax and enjoy God because they're so worried about the harvest. And then what happens is they miss their harvest. They miss a measure of their harvest. When we have a suffering mind, that means we're caring about something that we haven't allowed God to take over ownership of yet. That means we're still holding it in ownership. If we care about it, that means it's still in our ownership. All right, the next one is a mixed uncertainty. Okay, that I love. The devil loves that one. Mixed uncertainty. I've watched. There isn't anybody that I haven't watched that happen to, even Gene and Zinni as they've grown up in this ministry. Mixed uncertainty. Unsure. Is this what I'm supposed to do? How do you know when you don't have mixed uncertainty? I'll, I'll tell you, because the Lord revealed this to me. When you really can just love your life, get up every day, it doesn't make a difference who you see, who you're with, what it is, you are sure of the vision God showed you. And there's a place where you're just happy every day and you're walking it out, not because you really know what's going to happen. It's because you know you are certain that you're where you're supposed to be. Movement is about locking in your place, your posture, and your position. Okay, that's what we're doing. We're trying to teach everybody this year, how do I identify the movements of God that are happening in the seasons? This isn't the only year that's going to happen to you. But if God is having us teach it out, well, then the receiving at the end of this year has to be what? Really great, because we've never taught it out the way we're teaching it out this year. We are really teaching out to. We want everybody, first thing you need to know, God already said there's a promise for you to receive an inheritance. But it's never going to happen until the exchange happens. A movement has to happen. Okay? First off, you have to be in agreement with that. But you've got to believe I'm going to receive. If the harvest season of the fall comes, then you have to know every year in the fall, God has a what? A harvest for you. Now, we have to just stop right there and just start, God has a harvest for me. God has a harvest for me. I know he has something for me. So you just don't do anything. You just have to be certain that you know you know. You are always going to be on the receiving end, not just the giving end. There's always going to be giving and receiving as a cycle. Giving and receiving as a cycle. Gene made a very good point the other um, night. He said, in the death period, we identify. But in the burial period, we release. Now think about the word release. We let go the thing we've identified, which is going to fight with us. But one of the ways that helps us release it is by, be, by giving. Okay, so we have to release something in our soul, but then we have to give something from our hand. That's either going to be love, time, or money. That people have this so prostituted, and it's so sad. It is so sad. In this season, when you bury something that you know is a lie, a thought, a, a growth inhibitor, whatever it is God has highlighted to you, when you have, you're burying it, he's going to ask you to let go of something. From your hand, do you know, in every, it's funny, I was just looking at this, Francis, ugh, when somebody terminates an agreement with me, which has only happened very, it's just really happened very little, I mean, it's, for property management, only two times, well, it, the second one just happened, and I told Francis, write the termination up, this is fine, they want to manage their own problem, it's not a big deal, but at the end of that contract, it says, for the exchange of $1, that client will not come back and can ask me for anything settled, that that $1 settled up any discrepancies. I write that in all my, all my terminations. Not that, I mean, like I said, this is the second time I had to write it. We pulled back up the old one 
And it was years ago, I wrote it. And it said, I checked off the box that said, for the exchange of, and I had to come up with a dollar amount that the person could never come back to me for anything. And I would not release the file until they signed that agreement. What was I doing? In the world, I was protecting myself for not getting them to come back for anything if they decided, well, I wasn't happy how she did this. I wasn't, they can't do it. Because we had an exchange of what? One dollar in the world. When you add a agreement with a dollar value, you've just, you've just merged an agreement. There is, there is an exchange of tenure, tender for something that you agreed on. Now, I want everybody to think this. God does that in spirit too. Okay. I love how our currency is faith. Okay. But we actually have in faith, we have to hand something over to seal the deal. When we hand it over, we enter our rest until the harvest time. The rest is when you relax because you already know what you had to let go. You know what you had to exchange. And guess what? The termination is done. It is buried. You don't go back to it. Everybody in here has already experienced this. Everybody in here has already experienced something they've buried and you received a harvest. But you may not have understand what was happening as it was going. You, had to, you actually had to release things. You had to give things. You had to do different things. All right? And so it's awesome. I'm going to use Carrie right now as an example. Everybody comes here and here for a reason, for a season, for a purpose. Debbie came here. We, the Lord already showed me in a vision after she was here a month, she wasn't staying. She has another mentor that she works in from another state. But she was here for us to take her in, to love her. And to, she was to get something here. It was her season. But now Carrie, I loved it. Carrie's called here. Now, as Carrie's going through his death, burial, rest, and resurrection, he in his burial, he was getting, he was feeling torment all through May. Everybody who was who who saw it on Carrie, right? He was in such a torment because God already told him what he had to give. Carrie already knew the last thing that was coming out of him was anger. He already identified that part, part of what he had to bury. But now, how did he have to bury it? Because it had to do with a specific topic. And the release was going to be him giving the car to Debbie. God told it to him two months. At the beginning of the burial, he was in here at Apache Scott and heard, I have to give my car to Debbie. He wasn't sure if he was really hearing God. So, but I love it. God's always on time. It was the right timing for Debbie because God was removing an inhibitor of pride out of her. So she could receive a blessing from God. And that's not even her harvest. That was just a little taste for her because there are time in the burial, there's exchanges going on. People are still receiving a blessing in the burial. There are exchanges going on. So I want you to think about this. Carrie is man whistling. He is hopping up around this place. He is, he's in his what? He's in his rest. You know when you're hit your rest because you could care less about your harvest now. It, because you've let that one thing go, but you've backed it up with an action. You know, righteous acts are still works of action, but they're different in every phase. Man, in the death phase, you just have to agree to die. <laughs> you have to just agree to it. You just, I mean, I talked about this morning in real estate worship. Jesus had a lot of authority. But I'll tell you, Jesus still had to teach us the way, the truth, and the life. And for us to get life, we're going to have to, our soul 
is going to have to come to the altar of sacrifice. Okay, that means there is something that's got to get moved out. And in that, so we can hear the obedience, so we can hear the works of faith that we have to do. God knows every season that one growth inhibitor that's going to hold you back from doing what you need to do in the harvest, because even in the harvest, there's work. A harvest can grow out of the field and you say, ooh, that's my harvest. (gasps) I need laborers. I got to pull it in. I got to pull in the harvest. Okay. And you know what? You become so happy during the rest. You become so clear at hearing God that you actually can't miss hearing the instruction. God gave me an instruction. He showed me something I had to release this week. Man, I already released it. And when I released it, I've been happier. I'm happier. But it didn't take long. Once he showed me the release, he said, now release it. Because God is trying to move something in the earth. And even though it's about our change, it's all about his plan. He needs everybody to work as a what? A body. We all need to be rolling a one. (laughs) We need to be rolling our one. So we can get our body in place in the right foundation before we can add our ears, our eyes, our nose, and even the cootie head of tongue, right? The cootie head of tongue. Does everybody remember cootie's tongue? You guys did not grow up with cooties. Drives me crazy. Okay, I thought, hey, it's still in the store because Rachel grew up with them. So, And Rachel's younger than everybody in here. So... Rachel knows her cooties. Okay, so the cares, a suffering mind, a mixed uncertainty, and then watchful attention. See, the watchful intention is the time when you know to make the exchange, when you know to hand it over, whether it's love, time, or money. And I'm going to tell you, the thing he asked you to do in time, the thing he asked you to do with money, and the thing he asked you to do with love is contrary to your nature. It was contrary to Carrie's Carrie's nature to give away his car. (laughs) Thank God for the ministry van. How many many people have been friends with the ministry van? (laughs) Praise God. But you know what? God's going to work things out of us. He's going to work our rebellion. He's going to work our greed. He's going to work our deception. He's going to work our manipulation, working things for our own advantage. He is going to get those things out of us because he's got to purify us. All right. So now we have to ask ourselves, who owns that thought? Who owns that spot? Man, when we start looking at this, we're going to talk about rejection today. And you know what? Rejection's the last one, but we're going to talk about it as the first one. Because the thing about rejection that is interesting to me is that if you hold unforgiveness to somebody, you're going to reject them. All right. And rejection is the thing that Jesus was rejected. Satan was rejected. In the back of my Hebrew Bible, the definition of Satan is the accuser. Okay. So how do you know you're about to get rejected? You're accused. Okay. How do you know you're about to reject somebody? You accuse them. (laughs) Satan is the master at rejection because he wants to use accusation. He wants to use your thoughts of your hurt, build it up, and then uses what? Your tongue to pass it out. Now, I'm going to tell you, as holy as we like to think everybody is here, we are becoming holy, okay? And people, people mess up. Do you know what I mean? I remember one time, I, I'm just saying this out of transparent with Charlena, me and food. <laughs> I do not like finger foods in the ministry. I become very, I want to know what food are we ordering? I want to keep everything clean. Well, one time, Charlena wanted to order something. I was like, no, I don't want to do it, right? 
And then I realized, wow, I just kind of, and I mean, snapping for me is not like snapping, but it was snapping. I knew it. And I came back and Charlena did a great job and it all turned out great. And then I went back to her and I said, I was sorry. I said, I'm sorry, Charlena. <laughs> that was just my frustration of wanting everything to be so clean all the time. I am very, it's everything is very clean in my order of things. I'm not saying it's the right way. I'm just saying that's Lee's problem. <laughs> but that's why I don't like going to rentals until after the people move out and they already have the cleaning table. <laughs> I don't want to go in before. I want to see it after the fact. But anyway, but I know that about myself. So what does that mean I suffer? That means I actually suffer non-trusting. That means, yes. So I'm going to give you side effects of all these to think about. All right? Because the side effects are important for us to be able to know what they are because that's the way you can identify when one of those things are happening to you. And I'm not starting the growth inhibitors out with the full lesson. I'm starting on rejection because I kind of feel like right now, the great falling away happens when rejection is at its fullness. And what I see in the spirit is rejection is increasing because God wants people to abandon their spot that's already just assigned for them. And that's just, that's not just, that's not just in this ministry. When the Lord showed me in James 1 that he was, he put James 1, 1 up for a second. The Lord gave this to me as I was meditating on James. And, you know, I really do take every line very slowly. And the one he highlights to me is the one I start meditating on more and more. Okay. When I read this, now I've already been reading James. And, you know, how many we just skip that first verse? We don't spend time because it's always an introduction. But it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, which are what? Scattered, Scattered abroad. Okay, that means they weren't necessarily in unity. They were scattered. And you know what? It hit me. I heard, I heard the, the inner spirit say, they're being scattered due to the growth inhibitors. They're going to be scattered. But guess what? And nobody's going to run after them because everybody has to choose to be on board. You can come for great teaching, but if you've been instructed to read James, read James because there's something in there that has you scattered that you need to hold on to. We're all different. James is what? Four chapters? Well, James, there is something in there to help you hold on to the body you're assigned to. Okay? So if anybody has felt like, I cannot take this. This is not where I'm supposed to be. This is a, well, great. Then everything's working right. Everything is working the way it's supposed to be in this time. What Gene was putting the warning out is after the end of June, that's when it gets the grace level to move starts decreasing. And then the works of man start to what? Increase in you. And then you are tormented because now you're trying to figure out how to do it in the world because you didn't let it go during the window of grace. See, that's the great falling away is when that time shuts down, okay? And the, now you're, you move into mercy. Now you have to, you, he really does shut you off from even seeing because he gets it where he's going to bring you down to bring you what? Up. God still wins at the end of this season. At the end of this season, guess what? Everybody's still going to get something. He wins. We have to remember he wins, so if he wins at the end of the season, because he's going to get what he needs to get out of us, because we're already committed to him to work out our salvation, why don't we just throw the talent? Okay? And the talent, I love it. When I help people have a baby, and spring needs to be here in this, 
when they hit the point where they cannot help themselves anymore is when the table turns. You have to hit the point when you can't help yourself anymore. Why do people want to get the epidural? They choose the works of the world. Shoot that drug in me so I don't have to feel the pain. We are an emergency room of no epidurals. You're going to feel the pain. What is the pain? The sin that has been built up, the residue of it. We are not demonic people in this house. We are being delivered day by day of these spots, and the dark residue is coming out. Okay? The residue has to come up like a blackhead on your face. The blackhead. Come on, you ever pimp one of those out? Okay? Sometimes the blackhead can really go on. Do you know what I mean? I'm saying that kind of in a cute way. A pimple just pops and it's clear. But a blackhead, you don't know how much is in that pore. So I just want to, I say that because we have to have a good sense of humor of the change. We have to know, just surrender. Don't take the epidural. Feel the pain. And guess what? It's not going to what? I can guarantee you the pain is not going to what? Last. You're going to birth out your season. You're going to have the child at the end of the at the end of the season. You're going to have that deliverance. You're going to have that healing. You're going to have whatever the blessing is that God has for you. Can everybody get excited about that? So Gene has us focused on James so that our minds can start to be brought back into what? The unity of Christ so that we can work in the body. And that's what's so awesome. So how do you know you're scattered in the field of rejection? How do we know we're scattered? Here we go. In rejection. All right, let's just start with non-trusting because that's my problem, right? Okay. The sign that you are non-trusting is the sign of self-reliance. How many people come in and they go to places and they walk away and say, oh, I do this better. I can do that better. I got that down better. I can do that better. I don't need that person because I just do it better. Okay. And they need me. (laughs) The self-reliant person says they need me because they need me to do what I have to do. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I have already seen it from experience. I was probably not the first teacher that came for Gene to process. Carrie was not the first evangelist that came. We were just the first to make it through. Okay. Many people have been called to gene, but they haven't been able to make it through being processed. And I'm not even saying we've gotten there. I'm just saying we've made it through the heaviest, worst trials and tribulations. And now God just, we now understand the movements and the rhythms of grace. And now we're going with it and he's still doing what changes in us. So me non-trusting is my hardest one on the rejection chart because of self-reliance. That's one Sometimes it is easier for me to do something. You know what I mean? Because I'd rather not have to sit there and spend the time to explain it. In fact, working with an emerald, Rachel's so funny. Rachel's like, Mom, what do I text somebody? I rattle off in seconds. I'm going to have to write this down. Debbie would do that. She'd laugh at me. No, what did one word at a time? And I, I'm getting it out there. And then I say, just give me your phone. Let me type it. That's what? Self-reliance. I'm actually rejecting their need for me to instruct them. Come on. I've done it many times. Hmm? I've been Praise God. I love it. The more we talk about the rumble of the thunder yeah. is going on. I love okay. it. You can feel the shaking in the room. This is right on point because this is where I've been since yeah. we've been in this season is rejection. So one of the things that's hard for me to do yeah. 
is not do stuff. And what I mean by that is I was taught as a child, if you see something that needs to be done, do it. But now I'm learning to have to listen to him before I do something. Right. Well, and that's really you challenging. Because sometimes you doing out of your own works yeah, because, to receive something that wasn't of God. Well, I just do it because it's supposed to be done. Well, you know? there's, there, that's a goodness. There's a goodness to that. But you have to, you have to keep it. Okay, I see where you're going. Don't punish yourself. You're punishing. Don't punish yourself. Do you know what I mean? If you're doing something and it has a right heart behind it, Kenrick, then do it. But then just remember God is processing you. Do you know what I'm saying? In that it might not be non-trusting. Do you know what I mean? It might have to do with man-pleasing. Because the side effect of man-pleasing is works. If you're doing works that are not unto the Lord, there's two reasons why we do works that are not unto the Lord. I, I had man-pleasing so bad, I definitely got broken of this. <laughs> I would do works like you. I would do because I saw it needed to be done. That's a pearl. Who has pearl in here? Pearls want to do as much as they can to help people. But then if we're doing them out of the wrong motive because it makes us feel good, then we've just entered into works of man. Do you understand? So there are works and there are works of righteousness. And that's what you're trying to balance out. Because I can see you have a pearl in you, so you want to do certain works, but sometimes it makes you feel good, right? All right. But you got to do the works that are right for the situation, right? The Holy Spirit. I don't want you to beat yourself up and say, hey, I picked up trash and, you know, I wasn't supposed to do that. No, pick up the trash. (laughs) You go where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. I I need you to weigh, I need you to weigh that out. Do you know what I mean? I I want you to, yeah. Right. I agree. Yes. Learning to be moved by the spirit is very important. Okay. So non-trusting self-reliance. That's a person who has a, I use myself as an example because it's what the Lord's working on me. When Rachel wants me to teach her something or somebody wants me to teach him something, I could just get it done for them. And then they didn't what? Learn. Okay. Even though I may be gifted in the spirit as a teacher, I don't think I'm a great teacher on the outside. I mean, in the world. That is not really, even though I was went to school to be a school teacher. Remember, I didn't like grading the papers. Kids love being in my class. I'd have papers pile up and say, I'm the teacher. I don't have to grade them. <laughs> I'd pile, Gene would be, he'd laugh. I mean, because I'm not an emerald. So I'm not a teacher that wants to write the manual book. I don't want to do that stuff. But guess what? God wants me to what? Mature in that. Okay, I can't, I got to mature and grow up in that. So sometimes it's just because I don't trust. When I learned that, that means I just wasn't trusting what the other person can do. I love it. So, okay, if you are non-trusting, recognize that you're in your self-reliance. You're in yourself. Okay, rejection pops up because we want to self-protect ourselves because we don't trust people. We come up with our own little protection plan. Okay, how many people have done this? I've done this. I remember when I was, got my first job as a school teacher. I am not going to talk to that teacher today. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to this. There's a teacher. She just didn't like me. So I tried really not to like her. <laughs> but I, and I was going to do it my way. And, and if they said one way, I was coming up with another way. Because why? I was going to choose my way was better. And I was going to make it pointed silently. <laughs> my way was better. But I was really being as loud, as loud as a megaphone. Okay. In our, in, in our immaturity, 
when we don't know what's being washed away, we actually start acting so self-reliant and we think we're looking good. And the whole time, God's just saying, I can't work with you. I can't work with somebody who's self-reliant, who wants to self-protect himself. God wants to give us, pro- he wants to protect us. That's what pro- it says. It talks about God's providence in the Bible. That means he wants to protect us. And he's going to protect us because we do and we give up to him. And we can look stupid and we don't have to be right and it doesn't have to look right. That's okay. If it's in him, he's already got us completely what? Protected. But you have to be able to put yourself out there to let yourself be exposed of those things. So when we choose not to minister to somebody, it's because we've already decided, well, I don't think he really told me to do that. You know what I mean? We, we get like that our, because we're a non-trusting world. Nobody in here, I love always reminding everybody, we're all the same. We just have different measures in the areas that we have to deal with. Everybody in here could easily do something a lot easier than somebody else because God bore us with gifts that were irrevocable. And we could use them for darkness and we use them for light. But they're going to what? They're going to work. But if we use them for the unity of the body and we just love each other for what they do and what they contribute man, we start to form a closer-knit group of people that the world will not be able to break down. It will change. We come in and it changes them because we work as a body. All right, so self-reliance. I want everybody to really think about times when you're into yourself, yourself, yourself. All right, sex for approval. I'm putting those. Those are two very high things for our world. Sex for approval is a very easy thing for anybody to get into because why? We live in a world where I was talking to Jean about this. I started thinking about it. When Rachel was in, um, she dated her first boyfriend, Chris, and her stepmother immediately said, oh, she needs to be put on birth control. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I never have taken birth control. Never. I had one child. (laughs) But I am serious. We, our world opens up. If a young girl even thinks about, oh, just get her on what? What is that saying? That's saying it's okay. That's giving them, oh, it's okay, but don't get what? pregnant. All right. Well, the reason why the Lord said to keep intimacy in a marriage is because he can protect a covenant. When something's out of a covenant, you open your bodies up to receiving a lot of stuff that wasn't God's best for you. It wasn't God's best for you. I mean, it's something to really think about. Sex for approval is also not actively engaging in sex with somebody as much as it is in your what? in your mind, in your soul. Perverted thoughts are when you start thinking about things in an impure way about people. When we're supposed to look for what? The beauty and the purity of every person. Every assignment that you engage in your life, the first assignment is the God assignment. The first assignment is not, how does that benefit me? The first assignment is, am I supposed to take this person? That's why our souls need to be renewed. Because if you're going to go out there, evangelist, I told this to Chris when I first met him. Chris has got this <gasps> happy. He could go out into a bar, girls, magnet to him. Do you know what I mean? Probably begging to go home with him at night, right? Because they think he's cute and happy. I was like, well, first off, his marriage better be good in God. And he better know he knows who his wife is. Because to go out and minister where he has to minister, he has to be so secured in his wife. Because And the wife needs to be secure to say, that's my man. And you can't, you're not going to say, get your hands off him. You're going to recognize they're attracted to the anointing of God because the reason why he's there is to get God out in the atmosphere. But see, Satan comes and he usurps 
moments of purity with seduction. Okay, seduction can only come into agreement if perversion is working in the mind. Okay, and there is a place, and I can tell you this from being single, and I haven't been with anybody for a very long time. It's very, and you don't watch certain things. It is very easy to cleanse your heart and cleanse your mind. When you don't watch certain things on TV, you don't listen to certain music, you don't get yourself involved. I feel there is a purity that you feel and there's a cleanliness about it that you're not even looking for. I knew when that broke sex for approval is when people did not come and chase me or they didn't say, oh, I'm your husband or I'm this or I'm that. There was a period of time when I first came in this ministry. I even had somebody come and say, I just I just think you're my wife. And he was coming to kiss me. And a force pulled up and pushed him back. Now, I'm telling you, I had whose protection? I had God's protection. I knew my assignment for him was to get him. He, this man did get saved. But here's the crazy part. That's not what he was thinking because he was living in the what? The world. So he started to think of things the way he thought of things. And that's where we have to be strong. If we know we know where we're anchored, do you know there's a force that will push them? God will protect you. God could say, as long as I know God sent me somewhere, I am what? Safe. That's why I don't worry about locking my door, locking my car. Really, unless the Holy Spirit says, I hear it at home, lock your door. Then I lock my door. Other times I don't hear that. Because I do trust that there's, I'm not trying to test God. I'm not, I just, I'm secure in where God has placed me. And he sent me at this point in my life. I get that plan. And so when you think about sex for approval, Sometimes it's just the enticing, the enticing. How do you know if you're, if you're really there? You can go out into a bar and you can feel the darkness, but you know it can't get in you. There is a difference when we grow in these knowing our spots. We know we've passed the final exam when we can be right in the moment and we recognize we don't feel or see anything. It's not coming, it's not coming through us. Okay, it's not penetrating in us. So do you get what I'm saying about that? Um, I'm trying to give you some example, like an example. I knew when I was over, I used to be embarrassed about telling everybody when I put a gun to my head. I would get, I would break out. I'd be so embarrassed. It wouldn't be good. I remember when I passed that test, when the Lord said, tell that testimony. And I told it. And I didn't feel those same feelings in my body anymore. Now it became something he could use for the people. Just like when we all, hey, who went to college in here and partied at the bars? None of you guys went to the bar? I went to the bar, right? I did. I was in the sorority, Sigma, Sigma, Sigma. We would go to the bar. I mean, and it, it was called Teddy's, it was called Teddy's Tavern. And I liked it because it had a rundown look. It had all the sorority flags in it and the fraternity flags. Yeah, come on. I was sitting in a group of people with a body, within a body. Bodies were surrounding me and my contact fell out. And I put that dirty contact on the floor and put it back in my eye. <laughs> no. Okay. It's true. That did happen. I wouldn't have told it if it didn't. But what I'm looking for, what I think is now when I look back at those environments, what are people looking for in those environments? They're just looking for love. They're looking for people to hang out with, learn to, you know what I mean? And, but you know what? God really protected me in those environments because I didn't get involved like some of my other girlfriends did and people got really drunk and it was really, but yet even, but I was still in them. You know what I mean? So I, you're, hey, remember, it doesn't matter what you do. You're in the crowd. So perversion. Talk about sex for just to like. Yep. Go ahead. 
So I used to be like so afraid to be around like any man. It was like they were magnets. Like I would see them and I knew they were try- going to try to hit on you. Hit on me. And yep. it was, it was like, I would be so like in my brain, this is how I would be walking as I'm seeing them praying that they won't come up to talk to me. But every time they would do it and I just knew it. And I, it was like, I did not have the power to say like, no, I'm sorry. You can't have my number. I was that like, afraid. It was so weird. I would give them the wrong number, but I just could not say no. Good Tori, give them the wrong number. No, right. but that's still, it was so I bad. Know. And I didn't know this until like coming here and I knew I had to be broken free from that, but it wasn't until like all, all the stuff came out and all this cool stuff, but you're right. Like it started to- You can to go s- into a place now and somebody's not going to come up and ask you. Yeah, people don't try to hit on me anymore. Yeah, that's right. But one, I think I remember when it broke, it was a man at the gym and he came up to me and I knew what he was about to do, but I was not afraid. And I remember, like you said, the first assignment is always a God moment. And I just knew, like, it wasn't like I tried to bring up the Lord, but it just happened. Mm -hmm. And like, I brought up my husband and it was just so cool how he did it. And I just, I'm not even joking to you. I didn't notice it, but nobody tries to come talk to me anymore. I know it is awesome. I remember it is amazing when you're a single woman and you are walking out the path. And even if you're a married woman, the enemy will still try to work your mind thinking somebody else can love you more. Yeah. And it's not even about your husband. Yeah. It's about Jesus. Yeah. When Jesus possesses our soul, we don't want to think in that way. We want to keep ourselves in a pure realm. And God wants to purify us in that so we can actually walk and stand. And that person who's coming with perversion towards us immediately turns. Yeah. Hey, one of the best testimonies I has, Rachel set me up on a blind date. She said, pick me up. She was dating Chris. And Rachel goes, mom, I do want you to meet a guy because there's a guy that would be so nice. Well, I go to pick Rachel up. No, Rachel, just the guy. Rachel set this up and she goes, mom, I just, you don't, she said, mom, you didn't date anybody or whatever. Well, anyway, so we went to dinner down the street. We had a nice dinner. I knew I really once I knew I was, I should not have gone to dinner with him. I knew I should have just said no. But I still sat in the dinner. I was funny. Everything was cute. And the guy goes, you are great. You know, and I was thinking, this is bad, right? Well, anyway, and I even said, I even said to the Lord in my heart, I said, if this is wrong, you make me, I will see Gene. Midnight, I walked through the Bohemian to get to my car with this guy. And there's Gene and Zinni in a, in a, in a booth. No kidding. It was crazy. And I knew that was my, I asked for that sign. And that was the sign that showed up. Isn't that crazy? Okay. Well, anyway, so then here's the thing. He kept calling me. Hey, can I come see you now? Can I come? Da, da, da. I said, no. And then the, I heard, the Lord really directed the right steps. He said, if he wants to see you, he needs to come in this building. Because I didn't really, I didn't like him. He was nice, but I wasn't really into it. So he came, I'll never forget this, for a Wednesday night teaching. I sat in the back, blared the music of worship. We worshiped so long. He came dressed nice, everything. I taught my lesson, and he's like, hey, you want to go across the street for Nikki's? I said, yeah. Nikki's just opened up. I sat down at Nikki's, and he goes, okay, I don't think I'm supposed to date you. I said, you're right. We're, pro- we're not supposed to date. And he said, okay, now I can tell you all my secrets. <laughs> so I told me He started confessing me all his... Do you see how that worked? If every bit of our assignment is first the assignment of God, then he will reveal. So let me tell you something. I tell everybody, haven't I told everybody who's single in here? If you date somebody, you better bring them in this door because that's not about us discerning. You'll know really where they're at. And it takes time 
to get through this type of stuff. It takes time because when we already have certain patterns, our minds suffer certain patterns. That's where the world, I love it, perversion and non-trusting are the two hardest ones because we live in such an acceptance of a flesh world. Why does it say the flesh wars after the spirit and the spirit wars after the flesh? Because the soul has to choose one or the other. And so if we really want to be delivered and we want to really get that one thing out of our mind, we just have to stop keeping the cycle going and just surrender to God on it. Just, I can't even take thinking about it anymore. I've had that happen. I have said, I cannot take thinking about this anymore. I give it to you. If it's you, I, and I'm happy if you take it away. You don't even know. I've said that about business. I've said that about relationships. I've said that about so many reoccurring cycles. When the suffering of my mind trying to figure it out, I just go like this. I give it to you because I can't, I'd rather have what you have for me anyway. So put me through the pain. Let me tell you, when you start confessing that, that's casting your care up. That is, I would cast my care up. I had a client that I've had for years. And when I switched from Remax to here, I didn't want to give that client up. Not, there is no way I wanted to give that client up. And I recognized, oh my gosh, I have a stronghold with that client. And then when I realized that the next season, it was working me. I was like, that's it. I don't care if I have that client anymore. I could care less. I'm happy where I'm at at CE Hall. This is where I'm supposed to be. If people don't come with me, then that is fine. But you have to start getting that instead of trying to fight of what we're holding on to. Sex for approval is just holding on to something that that means God already has the other substitute, the other plan. But he can never hand you something till you gain him. Okay? So if we have thoughts, now think about this. If we have thoughts of self-reliance, then that means we just weren't trusting him. One of these definitions says here about sin. Missing the identification of ownership. Come on, think about it. If you're thinking about doing everything yourself, then you've just said, Jesus doesn't own me. I own me. If you're thinking about perversion thoughts with another person, another thing, or everything going, then that means guess who doesn't have that spot? Jesus. Because the first thing we should think when a love song comes to my heart, you all know I love love songs. The first thing I think about is Jesus. I give him that song. Okay. And then after I give it to him, he'll show me a face and he'll say, now send that song to that person. I've done it to Mamie. I've sent a song to Mamie. I've sent a song to you guys. When, when the song happens and I press it up, do you know, once I give it to God, now it can go out because it will go out with the purity of God's heart. Isn't that beautiful? So when we do that, when I was, I used to sing love songs. I don't know who I was making love to in the spirit, right? But it's awesome when we recognize that it's got to go to God. If you have a problem of an ongoing cycle about a person or a feeling or something with perversion, start giving, start making love to him on it. I'm going to tell you, watch the table turn. Watch the table turn. Okay, all this energy that I want to have in that thought, I'm going to now give it to him. Now the table turns. He starts filling you up. And then you have that less of that dark thought. You have less of that perversion. You have less of that. And then all of a sudden, you're actually with a person or with a, or with a situation, like you said. And they're not coming to ask you for your number. And you don't even want it. It's not there anymore. That was a great testimony. It wasn't there anymore. Because she's now got, God now covers her. All right. And then I'll tell you what else I see with people as they've grown on this. 
when they let God take that spot, now they can see the light of where God really has them to share their love. It is different. That's what Mamie and Carl went through with their reuniting of their vows. It doesn't make a difference how it started. It's where it's ending. It doesn't make a difference that people do wrong things in between. It's where does it what? End. Does it end with Christ? Works. The sign of a man pleaser is our works. If we are putting works to try to please man, and I mean, Kenrick, I had it so bad. I mean, you didn't know me during that time. Bad, bad, bad. It, every prophet told me it too. So, I mean, it was just, I was working because if I made that other person happy, it fed something in me that Jesus didn't have. So when I started giving Jesus all my works, I start all my actions I do for him. If it's to help somebody or do something or whatever the assignment is, now I just don't worry about if it's not my assignment. I worry about the assignment he tells me to do because that's where the what? That's where the power is. And I always knew when I feel a little hesitant about it, you know what I mean? That's a sign that he's in that. Fears. How do you know that Satan is trying to reject you with fears? You feel torment. Now, how many people have felt this? I'm going to give you an experience. You were talking to somebody, and you're talking, you're talking, you're talking, and all of a sudden, you feel like you have to turn around and look. You have to check things out. Something's around you tormenting you. There are dark spirits that float and follow us. When we walk out this door, we worship and we break the darkness out of here, but when we go out that door, have you ever been and you felt things surrounding you, and then you kind of felt almost like a little torment, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That was wrong. Or, or a torment is when you keep a repetitive cycle going on in your mind about what you did wrong in a certain situation with people. You're tormented because you fear being rejected. Okay? You can sit and talk to somebody and you could say something and then you go, you look around. And what's your fear? That you, that you said the wrong thing. They're going to reject you. Or if you really share the truth, they're going to what? Reject you. And then sometimes our self-reliance works us up to say, okay, reject me. Go ahead, just reject me. How many have we done that? I love it. You're all laughing. Just reject me. I mean, I have done that. Let me set you up. If I fear that it's the wrong way, even though God can show you it's the right way, you've got to feel like you're always out there testing it, testing it. And he says, remember, how do you know you have a care? Mixed uncertainty. <laughs> Mixed uncertainty makes you tormented. It torments you, torment. God can show you it. You can ask for every sign. And you're still down the 10th line and you're still like needing your, you're still needing security on it. You know? I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's why you have to know. That means you, if you have torment in those elements and you feel that, or you feel desperate to keep getting another sign, then you feel. You fear the rejection of it. All right? That means you have to give it to the Lord. You have to give it. And you know what? Now I'm talking about this today. You know what's going to happen, right? Rejection is going to increase in the house. This happens every time. If I teach on shame, shame increases. If I teach on unforgiveness, unforgiveness, that means these things will start to happen more. Okay, now I'm excited. I want everybody to leave here and have more of these <laughs> popping up because guess what that means? They're coming out, and you're going to get delivered from them. That means let it go in this burial, this last month of burial. Bury it, bury it, bury it, okay? Okay, I love this materialism. We live in another, oh, boy. Talk about the four corners of this. Materialism, I hit this this morning. 
Because in business, it's one of the worst things. Okay, first off, when we have debt, we have debt in the soul. Debt in the soul means you didn't identify that bank account to God. Okay, that means your bank account was for yourself. Think about it. People got two bank accounts. They've got a trust and a savings. (laughs) They're saving their self for what they think. But they need to be building up their trust with God. Okay, so how do you know somebody's in debt to the soul and they are feeling rejected? They go out and buy themselves things. They are working. They've got to change themselves. They're buying something. Have you ever met somebody that goes to the dollar store just so they can buy something for a dollar and they walk out with $10? Come on. How many people know the people? I mean, that I've seen it where they just have to buy something every day because they're in debt in their soul. And that is just as much as man-pleasing. To buy something, have a receipt, exchange the money makes a person feel what? Good. They got that one nail polish or that one eyebrow this or that one, whatever. Makeup can be that addicting, you know what I mean, to people. I watched it when Rachel, all middle schoolers go through it. They got to have their makeup. Rachel got into makeup. Rachel came out. She, I don't know where she got this lipstick because she didn't get it from my bathroom because I have like no makeup. And I was like, where did you get that? You know? And she goes, do you like it? I had to really be careful because <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with makeup. Makeup and, med- and, and um, moderation is a good thing. And so, but we have to know, does it control us? All right. So I really want everybody to think about that. Sometimes going in a food store and buying food. Come on. That looks good. That's an awesome package. I want that. And you open it up and there's hardly anything in it. The stuff you spend the most on has nothing to it. All right. So now that's debt. Materialism is going out and constantly feeding yourself because you didn't let God give you that thing. Oh, isn't that so awesome? God wants to give you. That's why I love Mamie and Carl. You know, they don't have a materialistic problem. God already dealt with that. That is done because you know why? Because God already brought them cars. They had to lose a house. I mean, and I'm, I don't mind you. I mean, everybody knows the testimony. They lost a house. They lost everything because God was going to get them to show that they weren't together for what they could supply to each other. Because they bought, they, they married in debt. And when you marry in debt, then you don't even know if you're really even supposed to be married. Because it was so great to be married to that person because they made so much money and they took care of this and they took it. You actually start negotiating your marriage. I mean, no kidding. I mean, now a high pearl, that's kind of not their thing as much, you know, but on an emerald, if you have a high emerald, you are checking out the ticker tape, check, 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 check. And then when they can't provide (gasps) tragedy, right? Because God didn't have that spot in you. If God was taking, Hey, God brings me my clothes. God brought me my car. God takes care of my house. God, I owe no man, but to love them. And God told me what he called me to do. I could not have anything so people would trust me. Because I don't, nobody has to give me anything. Does that make sense? But yet I can give them what? Everything. He said, because you may not own anything, but you will own everything. I heard that. He goes, you may not own everything, but you will, you, in the world, you may not have materialistic things, but you will own everything. And God gives me materialistic things. I mean, when I got my car, I was crying saying, I'll take whatever car you want. <laughs> like, okay, right? That was my man pleasing, trying to please God. I'll take whatever you want to give me. And then I heard, what do you want? 
I heard it so firm. I was like, I really want a Mercedes. <laughs> I love my Mercedes. I really want a Mercedes. Boom, and Mercedes showed up. Come on. I mean, because pearls, I don't, it's hard for some, hey, every pearl, sapphire, ruby, everybody has the things that are hard to receive. Do you know sapphires and rubies have a harder time really receiving true love because they're so good at giving it? Sapphires so good at giving out love. It's really hard for them to receive real, pure love from a pearl. I think it's hard. I think emeralds get so into their facts and figures. They just don't know what it's like to step out in faith and just like, God asked me to do this. So do you think about it? Each of us have our challenges because we have all four in us. So we're all so unique in how we can give and receive. And so it's awesome when we can give something to another they don't know how to receive. So, but you have to be sensitive to the spirit when we do those things. Because God knows when we're ready, when a person's ready. When Carrie gave Debbie the car. Come on, everybody knows Carrie's testimony about being beat up by black people. I mean, Carrie broke his arm. It's terrible how these a, a black gang beat Carrie up when he was in middle school. Now, for him to give his car away, he said it was even hard to tell his family because they know what he, but he, he did not look at Debbie like that. He did not look at Debbie's color. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. So it's awesome when we have that. So materialistic is when we get into ourselves in debt. When God wants to give you the car, he wants to give you the materialistic things. But when he, he gives it to you, he gives it to you without what? Sorrow. I really want you to remember that. There is a joy watching everybody get a car in this ministry. It is a joy because they received the blessing of God because they didn't hold on to the lie. So every blessing that comes means another lie has moved out. So praise God when you feel torment coming, start praising God because you know he's about to bring something else into your life. All right, manipulation. I laugh on this one because... And what time is it? Is it six o'clock? Okay. We're going to finish up with this portion of this because there's a lot of classes and go. Th this is just a start with all the stuff that we're doing here. Manipulation. Now, I love this, my evangelistic people, because manipulation is a compliment. <laughs> In the body of Christ, we're supposed to be able to manipulate a lost person to the love of Christ. So why are evangelists and sapphires such good manipulators? Because they manipulate love. They can, they can bring things to their advantage. Okay? When they go out, they think they're doing something good, but they're drawing something to their own advantage, filling something in your tank and the soul that God did not have filled yet. And you pick it out on the person that's going to do it. But let me tell you something. And this is so good for single people which there's only three of us in the room that are single. But sometimes the person you think that would be perfect, all right? And they're so perfect in them could be something so detrimental to you too and you don't even know it. Because Satan comes like an angel of light. I loved it when that guy, he came and heard me teach on Wednesday. We go over across the street and what do he say to me? I don't think I'm supposed to date you. So now I can tell you all my secrets. See, people don't want to tell people their inner truth. They just want to have that person fill the lack that's in them. So when people manipulate another, they, how do you know you're manipulating? You're controlling to your own advantage. See, he was already controlling me to his own what? Advantage. Okay? And sometimes when manipulation, we can say everything right. 
And it can sound so beautiful going out. And then if you're in Christ and he is working you, you're out your salvation. It doesn't what anymore? Work. It doesn't work. I was in sales. I could make every deal land. (laughs) Wasn't a deal that I couldn't make land. And then I come here, I can't make hardly any deals land. (laughs) Because there was some controlling to my advantage. What, how do you know controlling to your advantages in something? Because you're going to receive a tender for it. See, in the business world, if I do this, I get paid. If I go do this, if I put, how many people figure out their exact minute and they're going to make sure they're going to get paid for their exact minute? Okay, so there are people who work out. They're great. I love people who go to a company and they see overtime. Ding, 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 ding. I'm going to work overtime because <laughs> I'm going to make that work to my advantage. Okay. Controlling your advantage. This is why we have to be whole, body, soul, spirit. Or actually, spirit is already whole. But our soul has to be whole so our body doesn't get prostituted out there to somebody else's advantage. Okay? We're always going to go out there and there's going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. Okay? And you never know what's really in a person's heart. It takes time to know what's in the heart of a person or you have to know you know God called you to that because if you know God called you that then it's all going to be okay but if God hasn't called you to that you wait until God brings you what he has called into your life because if you can wait and know and get God to fill these spots then it is easy it is easy you know what I mean it's very we live in such of a world of seduction that its ultimate goal is rejection That's its ultimate goal, is to get you to fall away from the plan of God. If he can get you to fall away, it knows it got you down for a season. He's got you down for a season. It's like a game. You know, football has a season, right? All right, something happens. A player gets injured. He's down for the season. Same thing. The enemy just wants us. He knows we're going to be on this earth for, and only God can decide when it's our time of death. You know that, right? We don't, we don't blame the devil for anybody's injury. We don't blame the devil for anybody's death. God chooses the day we were born, and he also chooses the day he hands us over to go. So that means if you're allowing God to renew things in your heart and to work with you, he's already got certain things planned, but Satan can bring you down for a season because he's got these growth inhibitors. When you take rejection, and look at this. It is so, this is such an awesome demonstration. Okay, materialism, I got to have, 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 have. I just snuffed out. And look how this one's going slow. But it's going to die. Yep. Boom. Yep, I just got myself on a house debt, a car debt, uh, all that. Okay, right? How's that feel? All right. Sex for approval. (laughs) Okay. Come on. You're, you are praising God, worshiping God, your little spirits go in, God wants to come down, and then all of a sudden Satan sees it. What does he do? Bring sex for approval. Bring somebody who's going to entertain you, keep it going, want your number, maybe get you into bed, and then now, death. And that is a growth inhibitor. It comes and it distinguishes. It, it, it distinguish what's the word? Extinguishes the light that was already built in you for the season. I want you to think about this. 
It's going to be either shame, unforgiveness, or rejection. But the Lord showed me when we were working with the literary agent yesterday, and I, the night before, he gave me an assignment to do. And I was doing my assignment, and I was praying to the Lord, and he gave me three things. And one of the things was that we weren't to start the book off with unforgiveness. We were started off for rejection. This morning in prayer, the Lord showed me, is rejection's what's holding my people. That's what's scattering my people. We've done already so much teaching on shame and rejection, and those things do hold us back. But right now, the Lord showed me this is at its height. So imagine how that looks. I mean, think about it. Man-pleasing. You're out doing all these works because you want your friends to love you. And you're going to, here we go. God already raised you up to do a work. He's already lighting that candle so God can come down for you to do a work. Boom. The devil sees it. And then he brings somebody in your life. So you start doing that work because they compliment you. They make you feel better. You feel important. You've got it all together. Wow, if I do that, they'll just love me more. You get what I'm saying? And it dies. And then it dies and you're left with no light. Now I'm going to tell you, the light goes dim. It never really goes out. But the Satan's ultimate goal is to get it to go completely out. So you're down for the season. All right. What's it called when you get the flag in flag football? No, when you're flagged, you're down. Isn't it a flag? Or uh, what's a flag when it goes up in the air? A penalty. Okay, I want you to think. The enemy has played with us in penalties right now. Okay, but guess what God works in? Pardons. You can still win the game and have penalties. Yes. All right? So we've already had our penalties for the season. I'm serious. Everybody getting this? We've already had the penalty flags thrown for the season. Now let's take June and take it. We're going to be studying every Thursday on a different growth behavior 